Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. Welcome to part three of How's Your Love Life series. Has it been a blessing to you guys? Yeah. Has it helped you guys to see 1 Corinthians 13 in a whole new light? Well, for those that weren't here the previous two weeks, we started in week one. We established how we can do a lot of good and even supernatural things, even for God. But if it does not come from a place of love, the Bible says that it profits us nothing. You guys remember that? How many of you guys want to make sure that everything you do in life profits you? Otherwise, it's a waste of time. Lift your hands if you like to waste your time. Anybody loves to waste your time? Nobody, right? You want to make sure that everything you do has a purpose and accomplishes something. Week one, we talked about how we could do all these good things, but it all depends on the motivation. Danny was just speaking about the offering and how it's not just how we give our moms the Michael Kors purse. It's not the purse, it's how you give it, right? That's what makes a difference. And it's all about how and why we do certain things for God. And last week, week number two, we covered the four different kinds of love in the Bible. How many of you guys remember it? Let me see. Shout it out. What's one of the loves? Agape. All right. The most important one. What else? Phileo, arrows, and I thought I heard it somewhere over there. Storge, right? Those are the four different types of loves. We talked a little bit about that. And today we're going to wrap up the series. And as we do, uh, you're going to notice two words that are going to come up repetitively. All right? So keep your eyes out for those two words. I was reading a little bit and I wanted to share this. Some children in a school were asked what they thought love was. And their answer was really interesting. Sometimes you can learn a lot from hearing what kids have to say, despite their age. For example, one said, love is when your puppy licks your face even after you've left them home alone all day. And then another one says, love is when your mommy makes a cup of coffee for my daddy and takes a little sip before she gives it to him to make sure it tastes okay. <laughs> and then another boy came and said, well, when somebody loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Another one thoughtfully responded, you really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. I don't know where these kids go to school, but maybe in Miss Ridley's classroom, right? Maybe it was. <laughs> and finally, a seven-year-old Bobby, he said, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. So very interesting definitions, right? Yeah, these are some deep kids, right? Thoughtful kids. <laughs> Today, as we wrap up the series, I'm going to ask you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to read verse 6, 7, and 8, and then we're going to jump to 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6, and we're going to start at the end of 6, where we left off last week. And talking about love, it says, love does not rejoice in inequity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7 says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. First part of verse 8 says, love never fails. What love are we talking about here? 
The agape love, God's love, never fails. You apply it to your life, it's never going to fail you. How many say amen? And verse 13, to finish off the chapter, it says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. I mean, faith is amazing. One of the things that this church is known for, JTP, is faith, right? Our apostles, a man of faith. And we imitate his faith. And a lot of you guys have testimonies of things you guys have accomplished. I do myself of things that I just believed God and God has just shown his grace. And because of my faith, I was able to conquer things. Some material, some spiritual, some emotional, right? And, and through faith, we've accomplished a lot. But in the end, there's hope. And hope is so important too, right? We should always hope. Hope, faith, and love. But the most important is what? Love. We need to make sure that we love people the way God wants us to love them. So let's get started. In verse number six, the first thing that we're going to cover today is love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Amen? So I was thinking of real life examples of this. I'm like, what example can I use of real life of not rejoicing in iniquity? And the first thing that came to mind is gossip. Raise your hand if you're a gossiper. Don't raise your hand right now, please. Even if you have a conviction that you are. Think about this. The gossiper rejoices in iniquity. When they hear something bad, they can't wait to tell it. They just have ants in their tongue and they just have to let it go. Their motto is a twist on God's word, something Medea would say. Never say anything unless it is good. And boy, is this good. It doesn't mean you're just going to overlook sin. God doesn't tell us to overlook sin. Sin has to be faced with and dealt with. Otherwise, there can't be repentance. There can't be restoration. But the Bible says that the difference in this is that you don't rejoice in iniquity. Amen? Some people love it when somebody that did you harm is going through a difficult situation. And maybe you don't admit it, but deep inside of you, you're thinking, well, they got what they deserved. I've heard people say phrases like, karma. <laughs> and then they add some, another word next to it. I'm not going to repeat here from the altar. <laughs> What goes around comes around. Or payback is a blessing. Just another B word. <laughs> you guys have heard these phrases. And sometimes, you know, when people did us wrong, we even think that, well, it's God that's taking care of them. You know, God is my deliverer. We get spiritual with respect to this. And we say, well, the Bible says that vengeance belongs to the Lord. So this is God doing vengeance. Yeah, but you shouldn't delight that other people are going through a bad time. And that's what God is saying about this true love. If you rejoice at somebody going through a hard time, even though that person hurt you or something, maybe we're not at that level that God wants us to be when it comes to love. Because true love rejoices in what? In truth. And you guys heard me say this before. There's only one absolute truth. What's the absolute truth? The Bible. There's only one absolute truth, and it's the Word of God. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the first verse of the first chapter of the book of Psalms, it says, blessed is the man. Now, I want to see the hands of all the people that want to live a blessed life. And it says man, but it's talking about mankind, men and women. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, because you're always going to have ungodly people that are going to try to counsel you and tell you, you know what, you should, you should do this to that person. You should, what? You're going to extend mercy to that person? You're going to forgive that person? Send them to hell. Or do this, or do that. And you have counsel. 
that's coming from people that know God. That's why it's so important that you walk with people that are always going to encourage you to faith. People that are going to always challenge you to be more of a giver than a taker. But if you have the wrong crowd, you're going to get some of this ungodly counsel. But God says that blessed is the person. And all of you guys just said amen. You all want to be blessed. But to be blessed, we have to make sure that we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Man, I'm sure there's people sitting here right now today in this room that throughout the week, you received an ungodly counsel from somebody with respect to somebody, to pay back somebody for something that they did to you, to keep something that's not yours, to do something that's ungodly. And the question is, what are you going to do? And then he continues saying, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord. You see, we're talking about delighting in the truth, right? Our delight is in what? Should be in what? In the law of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you guys delight when you guys read the word, but it should be like the equivalent. What's your favorite food, Carly? I put you on the spot. It's true. She said it's pregnant. It's everywhere. Yeah, today's favorite food. It's not yesterday. So, okay, Jesus, what's your favorite food? Burgers, it's, it's high up there, but rice and beans. Nothing like homemade food. All right. Anybody else can tell me right away what's, you don't even have to think about it. That's your favorite food. Boom. Pizza, pasta, like me. I'm Argentina. A good bone and ribeye steak. You know what I mean? That's my delight. Now, when you're reading the word, the Bible says that just like you delight in food, that's how you should delight in the word of God. How can you delight in something that you don't even use every single day and it's there for you? So God is saying, blessed is the man that delights in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. So you see, if you're a person that meditates in the word of God and that loves it and your delight is in the word of God, when these other ungodly counsels come, you're delighting in the word and you know that these things are against the word. They're contrary to the word of God. So you're going to cancel them out. And therefore, you're going to live a blessed life. How many say amen? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the law, he meditates day and night. And because you do that, it says, he shall be a tree planted by the rivers of water. You see, trees need water. If there's no water, if there's drought, if there's no rain, trees are going to wither, they're going to die. But you're going to be a tree planted right by the river. You know what? It doesn't matter if it doesn't rain because you're by the river. There's always going to be water flowing. How many say amen? That bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. You're going to be green, baby, super green. And whatever he or she does shall prosper. It's so important not to delight in iniquity, but to be able to delight in the truth. How many say amen? Come on, raise your hand with me and say, I'm going to delight in the truth. Verse number seven starts. And it says, bears all things. And you're going to see that every single phrase that you read in verse number 7 from the New King James Version is going to end with all things. Because sometimes we can bear some things. But it's not the same thing to bear some things and to bear all things. Man's love bears some things. I have a limit. There's a line that I, you know, once you cross that line, I ain't going to bear anything for you. I'm not going to put up with anything else. But God's love has no lines, no limits, no boundaries. It bears all things. 
The word bear in the Greek is the word stego. Everybody say stego. S-T-E-G-O, which means to cover. Okay? Kind of like a roof, you know? The reason why we have roofs in our house is so that some inclement weather won't come in. It guards us from rain. It guards us from extreme heat or extreme cold. Right? It's designed to protect and shield people from things like storms, especially here in South Florida. Hurricanes, tornadoes, rains, hail, snow, wind. And in some places like South Florida, this protection is vital. What would have happened if we wouldn't have had a roof during this hurricane that just passed? We wouldn't have survived. So it's vital in some places. And by using this word stego, the Apostle Paul is giving us a powerful illustration. We need to understand that there are many different seasons to life. Amen? Not every season is going to be rosy. Some seasons are difficult. We've talked a little bit about this in the past. Not all seasons are pleasurable. In fact, some are stormy and difficult. You might be going through a stormy season right now. You might be going through a situation in your life right now that's not the one that you would desire. And if you have no shield to guard you in these stormy times, then it becomes much more difficult for us to survive spiritually. Now, we're, we're talking about spiritually, right? But we're using this analogy about storms and roofs. And sometimes, because we don't have this stego, right? We don't have this cover. Then when the storm rises, we're unprotected. Like the roof of a house. A friend who moves in the agape love of God will stay near in times of trouble. That friend will hover over you to protect you from the storms of life. They're going to have a godly counsel, not an ungodly counsel. How many of you appreciate friends like that? Come on, raise your hand if you have a friend that you could count on. And when time gets rough, you know that they're going to be there for you, right? It's a blessing to have people like that. Rather than expose you or expose your flaws to the view of other people, a person who operates in this kind of love will conceal. They will cover you. They will protect you. For real agape love is always there in times of trouble to lend support. Don't just think about the people that do it for you. Think about who you do that for. And if you are that kind of person for other people. Then it continues saying, it believes all things. God's love, the true definition of love, believes all things. I heard a story about two friends, one of which was showing great affection to someone the other friend considered was unworthy of love. And he spoke up and fearing that his friend was being taken advantage of or being, that would end up being a solution in the end. And the friend answered something that was awesome, and I thought I'd share it today with you guys. He said this, when I stand before the Lord, I hope you'll say of me that I loved too many rather than too few. And it's so important to live our life by that. It's a risk to love people God's way. Jesus took the risk, caused him his life, went to the cross, but was lifted up by God the Father. There's a cost, there's a sacrifice. We talked about this. There's a risk to loving people the way God loves us. Love believes in people. It finds its way through the mess and sees the potential. True love does that. You're sitting there. Some of you guys are being used by God. HOB leaders, serving God in music with your talents. We all came to the church. We all came to know Jesus when we were broken, when we were messed up. And God saw beyond our mess and saw the potential. But you know what? He wants you to do the same for others. Sometimes it's so easy to point out the flaws in people. 
Like a true leader of God sees beyond the mess-ups and, and all the stuff that needs to be worked on and sees potential and always reminds that person there's potential there. Come on, you're doing a good job. When they fall, hey, come on, let's get back up because God has a plan for your life. A true love believes that God can take the most unattractive and unworthy individual and turn them into a masterpiece of mercy and grace. A few Olympics ago, we had the women's relay. We had incredibly fast women representing America. And because one of them dropped the baton, we lost. We were supposed to win. I was looking at the relay and I was watching it and I'm like, Jesus, oh my gosh, she dropped the baton. It's like you feel bad for them because you know there's so much potential. You want to tell them, get up, come on, pick it up, go, you can do it. And I think that that's how God sees us. Sometimes we drop the baton. And sometimes we fall and we trip. And God is there. Sometimes we think that God just wants to press us in like saying, you fool, I'm going to use somebody else. God doesn't love that way. God believes all things. God bears all things. And he loves you. And maybe there's people right now that you're just discouraged because you've fallen and you've, you know that God has high expectations for you and, you know, for whatever reason you haven't made the standard and, and you've fallen or you've dropped the baton. But, man, let me tell you, God is not down on you by his own nature. He can't be down on you because he loves all things, right? He bears all things. He believes all things. And you know what God looks at? Your potential. He's looking at you right now, and he says, look, you could do so much more. Come on, get up. If you've fallen, there's grace for you to get up, and you can still win the race. That's the beauty about the gospel, right? Unfortunately, these competitions are so fast that once you drop the baton, that's it. You're out. See you four years. It's brutal. But in Christ, there's mercy. There's grace. God could just grab you and put you in the front. I mean, that's the way it works. It's hard to love people the way God wants us to love them if you don't allow yourself to be loved that way by God or if you can't see that God loves you that way it believes all things love believes in people it finds its way through the mess and sees the potential it believes that God can take the most unattractive and unworthy individual and turn them into a masterpiece you are a masterpiece I don't know for who this word is for but I just want to reiterate this from God, straight from God to your heart. You are a masterpiece. God loves you. He's for you. And if you give him a chance and if you believe how much he loves you and, and that there is potential in you, he'll take you a long way. And he'll use you in a mighty way. Now, certainly we must be aware of danger when we see it coming. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 10, 16, we need to be wise as serpents. We can't be so naive that we don't see things coming. We need to be wise. We need to try to be more like Jesus every single day. Tough love may be the best response to irresponsible and foolish people, but we can be sometimes too guarded and too wary and too distrustful. The third thing it mentions is hopes all things. Everybody say hopes all things. True love hopes all things. Usually you can substitute the word hope for wish. We wish for something, right? It's a desire for something to happen. But here in the scriptures, hope has a much stronger meaning. It's, just, it's to trust. It's to expect. It's a surety. It's going to happen. 
That's what it's referring when it says it hopes all things. I believe it's going to happen. It may be messed up now, but it's going to happen. I believe that my husband's not where he should be, but it's going to happen. It's a promise of the Lord. I'm holding on to it. I'm sure of this. I trust God. True love hopes all things. Amen? It's a confident expectation of something to come. What that means is that we expect the best for people. We're optimistic about how things will turn out. How many say amen? We're not called to be pessimistic. People of God are always optimistic. You know, imagine Jesus being pessimistic when they brought him five breads or five loaves of bread and two fish with 5,000 men, not counting women and children, to feed. Guys, I don't know. I'm, I'm taking off. I'm taking a loaf. I don't know what you guys are going to do, but I'm out. I'm hungry. And I'm the preacher. <laughs> Would you imagine? But no, he was always optimistic. No, feed him. Go. He told the disciples, feed him. And they're like, okay, there's something I'm not getting. How am I going to feed 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread? Something doesn't add up. What they didn't understand is that God's math doesn't work the same way as math here. Just go. Start giving and believe. Have faith. Trust me. You're not going to run out of bread. And what ended up happening? Everybody ate. Everybody ate till they got full. And afterwards, they picked up how many baskets? 12 baskets. It's a miracle. Because wherever God is, miracles happen. And we need to understand that true love hopes all things. I trust. I expect. I don't know in your life right now what things are you asking God for. And sometimes we ask Him, but we see Him so far away that we don't believe Him ourselves. But when you go before God, understand this God loves you, you're His son. And there's nothing a dad won't do for a son unless he knows that it's bad for him. That's the only reason. Like, Luca will ask me for the remote control, and I said, no, you've watched enough Peppa Pig. No more Peppa Pig for you. And I kind of have Luca sitting and watching for five hours Peppa Pig episodes because it's not good for him. So sometimes I have to tell him no, but if Luca needs clothes, if Luca needs shoes, if Luca needs supplies for school, Let's do it. Lately, he's been saying, Papi, I want to go to Disney World. <laughs> he's been saying it all week long. Did you tell him to say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he's been saying it a lot, you know, and I want to bless him. I want to be able to give him things that sometimes my parents couldn't give me when I was younger. God sees us the same way. And we have to go unto him trusting and expecting that if something's messed up in our life right now, God's going to make it better. Amen? If your marriage is not where it should be today, trust and expect because God loves all things. You know, he loveth. He bears all things. He, he loves you. He's going to do it. But trust and expect it. And last but not least, it says love endures all things. And I want to break this word down because it comes from the Greek word hupomenu, H-U-P-O-M-E-N-U. It's two words, hupo, which means under, and meno, which means to stay or to abide. When you put them together, it's the attitude of a person that's under a heavy load, but refuses to surrender to defeat because he or she knows that you are in the right place. It's like you abide, you're there, you're going through a lot of pressure, but you're holding on to God's promise. You're believing it, you're enduring it. You're enduring it because you know you're well positioned. 
It's just a matter of time, but this is going to let go, and it's going to happen, and I'm going to see the glory of God, and I'm going to see my family come to Christ, and I'm going to see my finances come to order, and I'm going to see my body be healed, and I'm going to see all these things happen. And you're just, you're just waiting for that to happen confidently. You're abiding under God's promises. That's why when we read Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which says, and we know that all things work together for the good. Come on, somebody shout good. good. Of those who love God. All things work together for the good. Sometimes we see things as bad and we interpret them as bad. But no, all things, even the ones that seem bad, they're working in your favor for good. For those that love God. Now, love, guess what love that is? Agape. Those that love God and trust them and bears all things, endureth all things, believes all things. It's that love that said, God, I know you're not going to let me go. You're not going to do me wrong. You're going to glorify yourself. I'm holding on to your promise, and I'm going to see your glory. I don't know how many of you guys are expecting God to do something amazing before the end of the year, before December 31st, a promise or something that you're asking God for. God, deliver me from this or open this door. It's going to happen. You need to abide and believe and expect it. This type of agape love, the love that God loved us with and the one he expects us to love others with, it doesn't quit. It doesn't throw in the towel. No matter the cost or time it takes, it says, I'm invested here. I'm committed in this. I'm all in to working this out, and I'm not going to give up until I see the glory of God. Compare that attitude to, I've done all I'm going to do. I'm not wasting any more of my life. I'm finished. I'm leaving. This doesn't work. I'm done. You see, true love doesn't give up. And then verse number eight says, love never fails. Touch the person next to you and tell them, love never fails. No. Maybe the kind of love the world knows fails. But God's love never fails. Back in the days, there was a column in some newspaper in the States. It was a column called Dear Abby. Very famous. And a man wrote once, Dear Abby, I am in love and I am having affairs with two different women other than my wife. I love my wife, but I love these other women too. Please tell me what to do, but don't give me any of that morality stuff. Signed, too much love for one. <laughs> And Abby's answer was on point. It was so good. She wrote this. Dear, too much love for only one. The only difference between humans and animals is morality. So you need to write to a veterinarian. <laughs> so good. And as we wrap up the series, I just I want to do a calling. And I know we've been challenging each other to love as Jesus loved us. But I want to do something different today. And I just want to. Be able to do a calling for those that you feel you need the love of the Father. Maybe you've, you haven't been too close to God for whatever reason. Maybe you think that you failed him too many times. Maybe you just had a different concept of what God is. You thought that God was just there, just reprimand you when you mess up. But if one thing we learned through this series is that all those things that we learned about love God first showed it to us. That's the reason why you're alive today. 
That's the reason why God has an amazing plan for your life. That's the reason why God gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you so that the enemy wouldn't be able to condemn you. The Bible says in John 3, 17, that the Son of Man did not come to condemn people. He came to die, to save you, to bless you. And I just want to open this altar for people to come and just receive the love of the Father. Maybe you've never even experienced what the love of the Father is because you never had a real dad. Or maybe the example that you had from your real father wasn't the perfect one. But God wants to show himself true. Jesus was just sharing a little bit of his testimony of how, you know, he grew up without that father figure and there was like something that was missing. But God is so faithful that even in that difficult time, his years when he was a youth and growing up without a father, God restores all things. And now I see him and he has a beautiful relationship with his father. Because his father opened up and came to the love of the father. He understood that even though he made mistakes just like everyone else, there still was grace from God towards him. And God restores. And he puts stuff back together. He restores relationships. He restores you as a person, as an individual. He gives you self-worth. He tells you, you are my son. You have belongingness. You belong to me. The Bible says that no one can take you away from the hands of God if you allow yourself to be there and allow yourself to be loved by him. And sometimes we don't realize it, but we're running away from God's love. We say, no, I don't need God. I don't, and we don't realize that all God wants to do is just protect us because love covers all. We read last week that love covers multitudes of sin. And I don't know what sin you probably fell in. I don't know where you are right now. But as we worship now, I just want to open the altar for you to come here and just receive the Father's love. If there's nobody here that needs the Father's love, well, so be it. But I don't want to close this series before giving every single person here an opportunity to say, man, I need to let myself be loved by God. Because he's been trying to love you. It's just that sometimes we're just too busy running away and finding other people or other things that we think that are going to love us more than he. You know what? You're never going to find it. There's no love like the Father's love. Because no other love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God's love never fails. So as the song goes on, as we sing about God's love, pray that if God spoke to you in whatever way, come to the altar. The arms of the loving Father are here.